In episode 525 with Colin Boyd, we are talking all about the power of stories and how to craft your conversion story, which will amplify your sales, plus so much more. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl, Open Wide, Comparisonitis, and Time Magic. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Hey, beautiful, and welcome back to the show. I am so excited about this episode because I am so sick and tired of incredible people hiding behind their products or services and not shouting it from the rooftops and getting the financial rewards that they truly deserve and desire. And this episode is going to help with that with the help of Colin. Now he is your go-to guy when you want your virtual or live presentation to get clients, not just claps. He's advised the biggest names in the industry to speak and sell from both virtual and live stages. He is a certified speaking professional who has been on the professional speaking circuit for over a decade. He's best known for his signature program called Sell From Stage Academy, which helps coaches and course creators turn every presentation into a money-making machine. He lives in Newport Beach, California with his amazing wife and two little kids. And for everything that we mention in today's conversation, you can check out in the show notes and that's over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 525. If you have a product or a service and you want more financial rewards, this episode is for you. Let's dive on in. Colin, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. Before we dive in, can you answer this all-important question? What did you have for breakfast this morning? Oh, wow. So normally I have uh, porridge known as oats over here in the US, but I had avocado toast. Very Australian of you. Australian and I had a bit of like spring onion and all that sort of stuff on top. So I went out on a little daddy-daughter date with my daughter, Georgia, who's eight, and we went out and just hung out and she just sung songs and, and I drank coffee and had avocado toast. Oh, so Australian of you. But you are not living in Australia right now. So I was having a meeting with a mutual friend of ours who was American And I think all Americans think that all Australians know each other. It's really funny. So he was like, do you know Colin Boyd? And I was like, no. But as soon as he said that, once I got off the meeting that I was on with him, I started Googling you. And I was like, how do I not know you? How have I never met you before? And so I reached out, we connected, and the rest is history. Now we are here. And I am so glad that we have been able to connect. I love my fellow Aussies. So I'm so glad you're here. Now, you have an incredible story. You have coached some of the biggest entrepreneurs and creative professionals in the world, and you've coached them on the art of speaking and selling authentically. So how did you become the guy that all the big players want to work with? How did you get here? Well, I mean, 
part of it is it kind of blows me away that I, I actually get to work with some of these people. And so part of it is I'm not sure. But the other part is I when I first started my coaching business, which was about 14 years ago, I remember I was living in Sydney and had this big dream of being a coach, right? It was very new life coaching. I was unfamiliar with the industry, unfamiliar with how to sell it, all that sort of stuff. And I had this big desire to help people. Like I really wanted to serve people, loved life coaching in general, but I had no clients. Well, I had like half a client. I don't know if you've had one of those where like they kind of turn up every other month and then pay you like every third month kind of thing. (laughs) And I had one of those and I'm thinking, there's no way on earth I can make this sustainable. And so what happened was I had a friend call me on my phone. It was a landline at the time. And uh, he called me up and he said, hey, Colin, I've got this speaking engagement coming up. Would you want to do it? He said, I can't do it. It's a free speaking engagement. What, can you do it for me? And I was like, sure, I'll do it. And I, honestly, the only time I'd spoken was at university. I went to University of Wollongong and Wollongong, and that's all I'd like spoken at. And I'd never spoken professionally. And, he's, and so I created a presentation and I crafted an offer. And so what happened was that night, I, I, I remember it was literally a dark and stormy night. My wife was on my arm and I'm like really on hers because uh, I'm freaking out so hard. I come up, the event organizer, he comes to me, he's like, Colin, you wouldn't believe this. This is the biggest night we've ever had in our history. We've got 137 people in the room live and they're just excited to hear your presentation. <laughs> and for me, this is bad news. Because in my mind, I'm like, great, I'm just going to look like an idiot in front of their biggest crowd they've ever had. And so what happened was I ended up, I got up and I spoke. And at the end, I made an offer. And I didn't realize it at the time, but it was an irresistible offer. And so from the 137 people, 125 of them gave me their personal details in like a jar. And I followed up with them and I ended up signing 12, 13 full-time coaching clients because I was doing a lot of one-on-one coaching at the time. Well, well, when I say a lot, I was just starting. Right? I was only doing one-on-one. So I signed a full load of coaching clients. And then four days later, I got a call from a director at HP and said, hey, we've got a, we loved your presentation at that, that event the other, other night. Would you come and speak to our, our global training day that's coming up in the next couple of months? Uh, and I was like, sure, that sounds great. And this was with you know HP, one of the biggest companies in the world. And that ended up being to five and a half thousand people. So that was my first paid speaking engagement was to five and a half thousand people. And then I, I worked with HP for like 10 years, traveled around the world with them. And, and then that continued to grow, like grow my business. And then, yeah, I got the chance to work with thousands of coaches around the world and work with the biggest names now. So that was my, re- my revelation was that just the power of a stage, the power of speaking that in one experience, one event, your business can literally explode overnight. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what do you help people do right now? What are you working with these big people and helping them do? I mean, it depends on kind of where they're at and what they're looking at. But I would say for most people, it is designing a presentation and a flow so that it leads to an offer. But doing it in a way that really feels congruent, feels aligned, feels like there's a through line and doesn't feel like pushy. And so a lot of the work I do, especially when I'm working with some of the bigger names, it's very much storytelling. So it's, it's really crafting their story in a way that when they tell it, the audience, yeah, hears their story. But when the audience listens to their story, they actually hear their own story. And when they hear their own story and it aligns with the offer, it's what I call a conversion story. 
And so basically working on stories and planting stories throughout their presentations so that when they talk, when they tell their stories, it feels connection-based, it feels congruent, authentic, because it is, but it also creates this massive desire for people to go, oh my gosh, I wonder what it would be like to actually go through that process that they went through. And so that's a lot of the stuff that I'm working on, storytelling, and then also designing their presentation as a whole. So many people have a firm ingrained belief that selling is gross or that it's icky or that it's sleazy. Why do so many people have resistance to selling via their stories? I think a lot of people have resistance to selling in general because you've probably had one or two bad experiences of, of, of someone selling to you too aggressively and or maybe you've made a decision to buy something and you had that real buyer's remorse and you're like, oh man, I wish I didn't, I wish I didn't buy that, right? And you just had a bad experience. And I think that it almost feels like for most people when we sell, it feels like we're pushing something onto someone. So we're like, you know, buy this thing. But my philosophy is that when we sell, I actually more like to call it making an offer. And even though, you know, our program, which is called Sell From Stage Academy, it is talks about selling. But for me, selling is opening a space of transformation for your audience. And so for me, the idea of selling is actually creating and holding a sacred space, in fact. It's a sacred place that you get the opportunity to transform your audience's lives on the next level. And part of them qualifying to enter that space is paying money because there needs to be boundaries in that space for it to be sacred, for it to be a transformational space at least. There has to be a boundary for you to enter it. It's kind of like when you think about it, the more protected a space is, the more sacred it is. Like think about if you enter like a sacred temple, you take your shoes off. Like there's, there's like boundaries that you have to overcome to enter that space. And so for me, asking people to pay money is really just one of the criterias of a boundary that I'm setting around my offer. And so for me, in my mind, when I make an offer, when I sell on the back end of a webinar or a presentation or whatever it is or anything, I'm actually saying, would you like to commit to yourself and enter this space that I've created to see a new level of transformation. And if you do want to enter into that space, then there is a level of commitment that you have to bring. And it involves money. It involves time. It involves energy. Like there's so many currencies, but money is one of the cleanest currencies to, to note their commitment. And so when we change our perspective of what money is, money, when we're asking for money, we're actually asking for commitment. We start to feel a bit better about it and we're not trying to sell them to do something. We're actually inviting them to enter a space. And if it's not for them, then it's not for them. I don't want to get 100% conversion rate. I want to get the right people into my program so that I can truly transform their lives. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So how can we become better storytellers? Because I know some people might be thinking, I am not JK Rowling. I am not good at telling stories. I don't even know where to start. And if someone listening who has a business, like, how do they know which stories to pull into their marketing? And where do we begin to become better storytellers? Well, firstly, I think that storytelling can be learned. I think that 
there are specific elements that you can involve in a story that makes it more in- engaging. Like, for example, you know, having a challenge, having a challenge, like a drama, having drama in your story. You know, having some drama in your story makes it interesting. It makes it enjoyable. Like, if you have a story of where you basically, you know, found a lotto ticket, a Powerball ticket, and you scratched it and you won $19 million, and then your life is like bliss ever since, like, that's a crap story, right? <laughs> you, you want the story where you're down and out, you're bawling your eyes out. You say, I can't do this anymore. And then you have this like breakthrough thought and you decide to step above it and you, and then you move forward and then you have another setback and then you get over that. Like, like that's a good story, right? You, you want a story where there's like drama involved. Another thing for me is you want a story where, where you bring people into your story through telling them what you saw. Like, for example, if I said, if I said something like, oh, the other day I was down at the beach and it was a beautiful day. Or if I said, as I stood onto the sand, I could feel the warmth of the sand underneath my feet. And I looked out over the ocean and watched these beautiful waves coming in and the seagulls flying over the top. And I remember telling myself, today's the day. Today's the day I need to make this big decision. And I remember feeling so excited, but also scared about what was about to happen. Right. So it, when you describe a story, it, it invites them into the story as opposed to just going like, I was at the beach the other day and I had to make this big decision. And so bringing in the elements of like descriptive elements of visual, auditory, kinesthetic and so forth makes a big difference. So like there's some like little elements of bringing in, you know, great storytelling. But for me, the idea of a conversion story is like a whole nother level. And so a conversion story is the story that you tell that when you tell it, the audience automatically starts to move towards your offer. Right. Okay. So they start to move towards your offer. Okay. So what are some key components that we need to make sure that we hit when we are crafting our conversion stories? Yeah. So a conversion story is the story where if someone says like, tell me like how you got into this or tell me about your journey. Sometimes people make the mistake of telling their whole origin story. So for me, like when you just asked me, Melissa, you said, you know, like, how'd you get into this? Honestly, it's probably like tw- 25 stories I could have told. I could have told stories about my youth group leader telling me that, hey, life coaching would be so good for you. Have you considered it, you know, doing life coaching? I could tell the story about my life coaching trainer who pulled me aside and called me a schmuck. She called me a schmuck because I was really not showing up for myself and for my business, right? Like there's so many different stories that I could tell, but the story that I told there on on our conversation, even on podcast, is one of my conversion stories. And the reason why it is, is because it aligns with the thing that I help people with. And so in other words, the story that you should tell should be the story that imparts the key revelation that your audience must understand to really appreciate the path that you can take them down. And so you want to find that story where there's alignment with the path that you help them with. There's three questions that a conversion story answers. The first question it answers is, are you like me? So the first thing you have to answer in an audience's mind, and this is also when you're doing a presentation, you have to show them that you are like them on some level. And it may not be that you are like them physically, gender, racially, or anything like that. 
It's simply that you understand what it's like to struggle. Like you understand what it's like to have difficulty. You understand what it's like to have challenge. You have to show that vulnerability. So if you come in all guns blazing and you're like the rock star straight away, there's going to be a disconnect between you and the audience. And so you always lead through vulnerability. The second question you have to answer with a conversion story is, can you lead me? For example, if I told my story about struggling to find a presentation or struggling to grow my business and and I did the presentation, then it kind of didn't go that well. And then I'm still struggling <laughs> with my coaching business. Like, like that wouldn't be a good story because it doesn't have this sense of, wow, like you actually achieved something, right? There isn't a leadership element to it. There isn't, isn't some sort of victory. And so a conversion story has to have an element of victory to it. It has to have an element of overcoming. And so that que- second question is, can you lead me? Has to be answered. And then the third and one of the most important questions is, is there a path that I can follow? And so that is where you are very clear on the core idea that your audience has to understand that so that they can understand your story and also understand the way that you help them in your offers and in your courses or whatever it is. Um, So those three questions are, are you like me? Can you lead me? And then is there a path that I can follow to kind of get the results that you got as well? I love it. This is so helpful. I know for me on my speaking journey, so I began my journey back in 2010 and it all started with me ending up in hospital. And that's where my whole life changed from that moment. I was a professional dancer. I danced at the Moulin Rouge in Paris and I lived in London and I was acting and dancing and modeling and doing TV presenting. And then my visa expired and I had to come back to Australia, which I was devastated about because I'd lived overseas for three years. And everyone knows that the industry in Australia is just not thriving like it is in LA or New York or London for a performer. And so I was devastated. I left all my friends back there. I left my thriving career. I left a boy that I was dating, came back home, was so devastated, so devastated. Ended up in hospital because I started partying and trashing my body and ended up in hospital. And that moment in hospital, a new-ish friend that I just started kind of hanging out with, I met her in yoga. I just started this thing called Kundalini Yoga. There was a few of them. They sent me a package and in that package was a book that changed my life. And that book was Louise Hayes, You Can Heal Your Life. And I remember being in hospital for a week and I was reading this book and I turned to my mom and I was like, why haven't you taught me this? Why didn't you teach me that we create our own reality and that we are not our thoughts and that love is our truth? Like, I literally was like, why did you not teach me this? And she was like, oh, darling, I was doing the best that I could. And granted, she was, right? But I had this voice come to me when I was in hospital and it said, get healthy and happy and you will live a life beyond your wildest dreams. And I was like, okay, get healthy and happy, get healthy and happy, get healthy and happy. And I had no idea where to even start, but I just made it my mission to get healthy and happy again. And I went on and studied holistic nutrition. I went on and studied life coaching. I did my yoga teacher training. I studied meditation and became a qualified meditation teacher. And I studied acuenergetics, like energy healing work. 
I read every personal development book and workshop and did everything, went to Tony Robbins, did all of these things and did every workshop and seminar that I could attend and became completely obsessed with this personal development and spiritual world. And I started this thing called a blog. And now this is in 2011, and I began sharing everything that I was learning. And people would stop me in the streets, and this is when I was living in Sydney and Bondi Beach, people would stop me in the streets and say, that blog post you wrote about your struggles with your eating disorder or your struggles with your inner critic has changed my life. And I was like, oh, I just thought my mom was reading that. I didn't know that the whole world is reading my work. And so I then, after that, get an email from the head of Lululemon in Australia saying, can you come and we would like to pay you to be a motivational speaker at our event. And I was like, what is, what? What? And they were like, just come and share your story. And I was like, my story? They were like, yes, come and share your story. It's so inspiring what you've been through and what you've created from the hardships that you've been through in your life. And I was like, oh, okay. And that was the moment where I first realized the power of our stories. And so I went to this Lululemon event and I shared my story and was just blown away by the response from people. But over the years, you know, this was 2011, there's been times where I'm like, hasn't everybody heard my story now? I've written five books. I have 520 podcast episodes. I've done lots of speaking gigs. I have online programs. Isn't everyone a bit bored of my story by now? The thing is, they're not. So for someone listening who thinks, oh God, haven't I told my story a million times before or hasn't everybody heard it? What do you say to that? Well, you have to tell your story like it's the first time you've ever told it. You, you really have to live, relive your story every single time. And it's fascinating because I have a, like, a lot of students in our communities, a lot of coaches, and they've probably heard my story, the one that I told at the start of this podcast, probably like a hundred times personally. I've told it thousands of times, but they, they honestly say to me so often, they're like, oh my gosh, Colin, I, I really just love hearing that story. I love like rehearing the story. No, it inspired because sometimes I'll say, I know you guys have heard that before. And they'll be like, no, no, we really like hearing the story. So first of all, I think that you're very close to your own content and you're extremely close to your own story. And so, so often we forget that our audience isn't as close to our story. And I think that if, when you don't just retell your story, but you relive it, then the audience feels the feeling of your story every single time. And it's actually a feeling that they want to experience, not even just the story itself that makes it really interesting and powerful. And so the short of it is, is you need to keep retelling your story. And when you work out your conversion story, but the funny thing is, is you're going to tell that one story over and over and over and over. Like it just never going to end until you change your offer, until you change what you do. And so you definitely have to like remind yourself, and I have to do this every single time, even before I get on every podcast, because I record, you know, at least one or maybe two podcasts a week with other people's podcasts, similar to yours and so forth. 
And I have to remind myself every single time, like this audience, first of all, probably hasn't heard my story. But, but secondly, I need to remind myself that, that the story that I'm sharing isn't actually about me. And so this is the unique thing about a conversion story is that your story, when you share it, you have to realize it's not your story. If it's told right, the audience goes, oh my gosh, this is kind of my story. Like, this is how I felt. This is where I want to go. This is what I want to do. Like, even when you said, Melissa, you said that line of the little voice inside of me said, all you need to do is get healthy and happy and your life will change. Like that embedded command of that piece of your story is so powerful because I found myself in me going, oh, wow. All I have to do is get healthy and happy and my life will expand. Like in your story, I started to hear my story, right? And so that's what happens when we tell stories is, is that, that it transfers a belief from you to them. I love it. What about for people who are like, I'm just not good at storytelling? They've got that loud inner critic or what I call the inner mingo that's saying, I'm just not good at storytelling. So what would you say to that person? Well, first of all, you got to practice it. So right at the start, like if you've never told your story or taken the time to actually write out your story, then do it in a, a safe environment. Like, like think about it in stages. So you don't have to necessarily get on, you know, Instagram live or something and share it straight away. Like I think start off with just like writing your story out, like writing what your story is about, right? Start off in, in a safe environment. That's the first thing. The second thing is, is there are techniques that you can use and we've started to unpack some of them already, which is describe the story. Don't brush over it. Because I find that what tends to happen is people sit in one of two camps is they'll skip over their story and they're like, I'm a terrible storyteller. I don't want to tell my story. And they kind of like skip over it, or they get very corporate in their story. Like they tell their corporate like professional kind of story, right? Like these are my accolades and this is my accreditations. Or they they go on the other side and they think their story is about themselves and they get right into their story. They share their story and it goes on for a long time. And they share their story in a way where it's like their entire timeline, every single thing that they did. And it's like they're telling it like as if it's their story, which I know it is it's like self-embellishing it. Like we, we kind of like self-indulging, should I say. It's like, it's like we get lost in ourselves telling the story and that misses the whole point of the story. And so you have to learn to find that middle piece, which is telling your story in a way that is engaging and learning some storytelling principles, but, but realizing that your story, when you tell it, you have to think about how do I tell this in a way where the audience goes, well, I felt like that before. I've got those desires as well. I've wanted to do that. And it's like, I resonate with you now because I, I kind of know you. I know who you are. And, and it sounds like you've achieved something that I would kind of like to achieve. So I wonder if if you've achieved that, I wonder if like you could help me to achieve it. Like That's the process that you want people to go through when you're telling your story. And so I think part of it is people think they're bad storytellers, but I think they're just very, a lot of the time, focused on themselves. And it's not like selfishly focused on themselves. They focus on themselves because they feel ashamed or they feel scared. And as soon as you focus on yourself, you feel, you feel fear. And so when you get off that and you start focusing on what's the purpose of me sharing my story, and it's not, it's not about being self-indulging, it's actually about 
sharing your story so that you you inspire others to get past their difficulties, their challenges, especially if they want to do what you you do, then all of a sudden your story just becomes about a purpose rather than about you. I love taking the attention off you and making it about how can you serve. So instead of making it all about you and being self-indulgent and going into every minute detail, it's like, how can I serve with this story? I tend to lean more to the camp of skimming over things because I'm like, how long do people have? Am I losing them? Even just in interactions with friends and family. So I'll tend to more lean toward the skim over those really powerful bits when they're the nuggets of wisdom. So I know for me, I'm going to take the attention off me and put the attention on serving the person or the people that are listening and giving them the nuggets of wisdom that they need in order to get the wisdom that's going to catapult their next step in their life or their growth. So we all know someone in our life who is an incredible storyteller. I know that we at least have one person. I know for me, I have interviewed over 500 people on this podcast, and there's some people that come on that are so captivating. I'm literally hanging on to every single word, and I am with all of my guests, but sometimes to the point where I'm like, oh, oh, that's right. I'm meant to be interviewing this person. I forget that I'm I'm here interviewing them. So They transport you. They take you on a journey. And I truly think that an incredible, gifted storyteller picks you up on that magic carpet ride and they take you on that journey through the highs and the lows and the ups and the downs. And it's an art, but I love that you said that it can be learned and it starts with practice. And another thing that came to me that I thought could be really helpful for people is record your story into your phone and then watch it back. I've done that with many, many big speaking gigs. So when I did my TED Talk, I literally watched that back over and over again. Any big speaking gigs I've done, I've recorded it and then watched it back. And that's really, really helpful. And also doing it for maybe one or two other people as well and getting their feedback, that's really helpful. When my husband and I did our open wide tour together, We performed that for some friends and got their feedback, which was really powerful. So I just thought that could be a great tip for people as well. Oh, absolutely. It gives you a different perspective. You get to see yourself from outside of yourself. And it's if you want to like take it to another level with that is is you listen to it with audio only, close your eyes, watch it with no audio and just see how your body moves in it and see how you respond to different parts of your story. And then finally, you watch it with both audio and visual. And like when you go through those three layers, you just have so much insights into how your story feels and how you respond to your own story. And if you notice yourself listening to your story and then almost like forgetting that you're supposed to be critiquing your story because you actually start listening to your own story, that's a good indicator that you're telling the right type of story. One thing that that you were doing in your story, Melissa, is what I call, it's called the internal-external. And so basically, a good storyteller is able to tell a story where they bring, they invite the audience member into the external experience. So for example, my schmuck story, right? I was standing there eating a ham and 
uh, lettuce sandwich during one of my workshops. And, and I looked across and um, my short, I had this a trainer. She came over. She had like short brown hair. She stands really tall. She comes up to me. She looks at me in the face and she says, Colin, how's your coaching business going? So right there, I'm just describing the external, right? I'm describing this external experience. Then we have this conversation and I said, oh yeah, it's going, it's going amazing. Like, I just love it. It's, I love asking people questions. I love coaching people. I love helping people. She's like, oh my gosh, that's so good. She goes, how much money are you making in your coaching business? <laughs> and I remember this was, this was before I launched my business, right? So uh, at the time I was making about $300 a month. And I said that to her and she looks at me and she's like, you're what? <laughs> making $300 a month? I was like, yeah. And she goes, Colin, you've got great access to content. You've got great skills. You've got a great ability to, to help people. She's like, what are you doing? She goes, how old are you? And I was like, oh, I, I'm 20. I was 28 at the time. I said, I'm 28. She goes, you want to you have kids, don't you? I was like, yeah, yeah, I really do. She goes, you know what? You're going to be 30 years old and you'll have kids, but what will they have to look up to? Nothing. You know what you are? You're a schmuck. That's what you are. You're a dead set schmuck. <laughs> and literally at that time, I got a bit of lettuce hanging out of my mouth, ham on my foot. Right? <laughs> I'm in absolute shock. And then she goes, I want you to go out and make $30,000 in the next three months and call me personally. Now, I remember for me at that time, I had all these things in my mind that was stopping me from taking action. It was, I felt like I was too young. I'm too young to do this. People won't listen to me. I was also considering, like, we were looking at maybe moving. So I was like, well, if I start this, and then, I, then it's no point that I can't move it overseas or do anything like that. And But really, when it came down to it, I just felt like I wasn't ready. I just, I'm like, I'm not ready to actually do this. And I think for all of us, we have these thoughts and these conversations going on in our head that stop us from moving forward. And I remember from that point, I made a decision that I was going to go after. In fact, three months later, I ended up making $30,000. And I called her personally and said, you wouldn't believe it. I literally just made $30,000. But when it came down to it, it was just the fears that were getting in my way. And so let me just press pause then. That story that I shared is my schmuck, schmuck story, but it had external and internal. So it had external at the start, which was the conversation, the ham sandwich, the, you know, the situation. And then it had, and then we had a conversation and then it went internal, which was the conversation I was having with myself about myself. And as soon as I went to there, you probably noticed as a listener, you started to go to your own head going, I wonder what I'm telling myself that's holding me back. Oh yeah, I kind of feel like that as well. And so what happens is in great storytelling, is when you transition from external to internal, you transition from your story being about you to your story being about them. Yes, I love that. And this is really good for us fellow Aussies who seem to suffer from that tall poppy syndrome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, they don't have it in the US. That's definitely one of the benefits. Like, you know, you tell them your dreams, they're like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. Go after that. <laughs> and like in Australia, it's a little bit like, ah, take it easy, mate. Totally, which is so sad. It's so sad. And I love that about Americans. They're like, yeah, dream big. Yeah, do you want to make $30,000 a week? Yeah, let's do it. Why not? $30,000 a day? Sure. I love that about Americans and all of my American friends and in my mastermind, I'm just like, you guys are the best. And we need more friends like that. We need more people around us who don't have that tall poppy syndrome. 
especially when it comes to telling our stories and selling our incredible products or services. Because I know so many amazing women here in Australia that hide behind their product and they're like, oh, here's my thing that I want to sell to you. And I just look at them and I'm like, Melissa, you forgot the inflection. Yes. (laughs) Here's to you, I to sell to you. Would you like this? It's so fascinating because I've lived in the US now for six years and I, and I taught like, you don't have an inflection, but a lot of the people, like a lot of, especially Australian, you know, like this is not a criticism. It's just a, a, an interesting awareness thing is like when we get to like, because I coach a lot of, I, in fact, it's probably 75% of my audience are women. And I, so I coach a lot of women on selling and they move into inflections a lot. And so they'll like, would you like this <laughs> kind of thing? Right. It's like, has this uncertainty about itself. Totally. And we need that power. We need to stand behind our product or our service and say, this is what I've created. It is incredible. And this is why you need it. And stop hiding behind it. I'm so sick of it because there's so many incredible products and services here that just aren't getting the traction that they truly deserve because of tall poppy syndrome and maybe storytelling. So I just love this so much. You have inspired me so much to really own my story even more and to stand in that power and to make it not about me. I've got a huge speaking gig with my husband coming up in September. We are touring Australia with Wonderlust. Oh, come on. Yeah, which is going to be so much fun. I'm so excited. He's also performing and then we're going to be talking together. And I'm excited. We've started crafting our talk. I'm excited to infuse even more story into our talk together, which will be interesting because there's two of us. So do you have any tips on if you have to do a story with someone else and does it come back to crafting it and just knowing who says what at that time and who tells that part of the story? I'd love your thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, having a duo, like firstly, I know you'll do this because you guys are pros is like, just practice it a lot, right? Because finding that transition point is definitely that you don't want it to be clunky. But yeah, I mean, when it comes down to it, it's just working out like who resonates best with what part of the story or even the whole story. Maybe one person tells the whole story and then transitions to the next person who shares the next point. Sometimes points are great. It could be the first person leads the front end of the point and then the second person leads the back end of the point and then the first person leads the front end of the point and the back end of the point. It could be like something like that could work quite well. So you can work out like a rhythm. I also think about like like who has energy wise, like usually there's, there's like a balance of energy sometimes, like someone's more higher energy, someone's a bit lower energy. And so it's good to kind of think about how much higher energy do we want in this point? How much lower energy do we want? And like kind of balancing that. So, but the biggest thing is, yeah, it's choreography, it's practicing it. But I love what you said. It's like really, I would encourage all your audience to to really own their story and to realize that when you, yeah, when you tell the story right, it's not about you. It's about your audience. And when you do that, you serve your audience on a greater level. And, and I really want to speak to that idea that you had, Melissa, is I think that there are, I know that you've got a large female audience listening base. I would encourage you to really step into your power of, of owning that transformational offer that you have. Because I think about it like this. Can you think even, Melissa, like different people that have changed your life in our personal development space? You know, like I think about like Tony Robbins. I think about Brennan Bouchard. I think about, you know, like different people who wrote various books, right? I think about Donald Miller. 
um, I think about just different people who've just truly transformed the way I think my life. One of my mentors, like I, I wouldn't be in, I wouldn't be doing, or we, we wouldn't be running our business if it wasn't for some of my mentors. And I think about them and I think about the impact that they've made in my life. And for your audience, I want you to think about that. Someone who's made a massive impact in your life. Imagine that that person decided not to share their offer. They decided not to write that book. They decided to not to talk about the program that they have. They decided to not to release that thing into the world that has truly transformed your life. Imagine what would be missing, first of all. Imagine what would be missing in your life, right? Like either maybe the income, maybe the, the health, maybe the mental health, all that sort of stuff. Now, this is the kicker that I want you to get, is that you are that person for your audience. They can't be that person for your audience. Only you can be. And so when you don't make an offer to the right people, or at least make an offer at some point throughout your journey and start making offers, if you don't make an offer, you're actually ripping off a large majority of your audience because they want to see a transformation and they want to commit to it. And part of, part of them paying for it is, is them committing. That's all it represents. They want to commit to themselves on the next level. And so we actually rip off our audience when we don't make an offer. And that's really when it comes down to it that, that selling is actually serving. The reason why it's serving is because it is enabling your audience to commit to themselves on the next level in a space that you've curated to see a transformation that they couldn't see themselves. Yeah, I love that. Let's talk about confidence. How can we build and develop or learn confidence? Because it really does come back to confidence. I'm sure we all know one person that we've seen speak and they are so confident. And then I'm sure we've all witnessed someone speak where they haven't been confident and how that makes you feel. You're kind of like squirming in your seat and you just want them to do really well. And, you know, it's uncomfortable. So confidence is such a huge piece of this puzzle. How do we learn it? How do we develop it? How do we flex it? Well, I think there's two levels of confidence. I think there's a mind game and then there's a mechanics game. So the mind game of confidence is being just intense about about protecting your mind coming into something. So let's say you want to run a webinar or you're doing a speaking engagement or you want to do a story or whatever it is, right? You want to do, you want to share your story. Coming into it, you have to, with intensity, protect your mind. And so what that means is your mind wants to keep you where you currently are. And so anytime you step out on a stage, even if it's a virtual stage, your mind is going to say that stage is going to be dangerous. Like your brain's basically going to say you're going to die, even though you're not. But but your brain's going to react like as if you're going to die. And so to do that, it tries to actually cut you down to keep you safe. So it will say, you know, like they won't really like your story. They're not going to resonate. Like it's going to come up with all these reasons for why you shouldn't do it. And so what I like to do is I'll thank my mind. I'll say, thank you for keeping me safe. <laughs> thank you for keeping me where my art, where I am. Like it's doing its job for keeping me in my comfort zone. But for you to step out of your comfort zone, you have to believe something else. And so for me, it starts with usually questions. So I'll ask myself a better question, which, which might be something like, you know, what's great about me sharing my story? What can I be grateful about in this speaking engagement, this opportunity? What's great about me running a presentation or, or a webinar 
and sharing my content and helping people. What's great about this? And so start, first of all, start asking yourself better quality questions. The second of all is better quality mantras is actually saying to yourself, I know for me coming into a speaking engagement or something like that, or even a webinar or something, I'll say to myself, I am a transformational coach. I am a world-class trainer and speaker. Like when I get on stage, I freaking rock. Like, and I just tell myself that stuff, right? And I wasn't that when I first started telling myself that, by the way. I started saying that and you start acting like that. And so that's the mind game. And the mechanics game is just a practice. It's actually getting good at your craft, getting good at the story itself, which is what we talked about before. It's recording it. It's practicing it. It's actually doing it. So I don't think you can have all mindset and no mechanics because all mindset and no mechanics is a little bit of a delusion. But all mechanics and no mindset is you're not going to access that X factor in your abilities to connect with your audience because you're going to have the mechanics, maybe you practice it, but if you don't have the mindset that enables you to focus on your audience more and have that confident mindset, you're going to miss that X factor, that charisma that's going to come out, that's really going to create an attractiveness about who you are. And so the two of them combined creates a real charismatic communication style. Mm, I love this so much. Tell us about your incredible offer that you have. Yeah. So one of the things that has been really just evolving in my journey is this idea of the conversion story. And we've gone through a lot of it already. The conversion story is this idea of finding that one story that when you discover it, you can tell it on your podcasts, on your webinars, on your presentations, on your stories, on anything. Anytime you share your story, it's like you want to share your conversion story. And usually people will find at least one, maybe two, sometimes three, but you actually only need one. And so the idea of a conversion story just completely changed my life. And it's been one of the things that I've had the privilege of coaching literally the biggest names in the world on. And it just, it's so easy to follow. It's so easy to kind of like implement and do. And so I put together something which is called the conversion story formula. And I know, Melissa, you, you've got a, a link for the audience. But this is what I know is that if you want to go and check it out, you can. If you resonated with me, resonated with what Melissa was talking about. But this is like, I always say it's like less than the price of a few tacos because it is, but it will, it can literally catapult your business and your marketing message to the next level. And so that's what the conversion story formula is. Sounds amazing. If you are interested, you can go to melissarambrosini.com forward slash story, and I'll link to it in the show notes. But who else is it for? So it's for obviously someone who wants to maybe take their webinar or their presentation or their creative pitch to the next level. Who is it for? Who is it not for? So this is for someone who has something to sell. So if you have an offer, some sort of offer, it could be a digital course, it could be a coaching program, it could be some sort of any sort of offer. If you have something to sell, you, you could even be a psychologist, you could be in mental health, you like any sort of service or product, if you have something to sell, that's what this is for. This conversion story formula is, it's not a general storytelling course, although you will learn general storytelling principles in it. It's a specifically designed process to quickly, in fact, and this is the promise, is that, that you actually 
will find your story and craft it if you go through it in 48 hours. That's the promise. In literally in under 48 hours, and it's not 48 hours to, to do it. It's, 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 it's actually pretty short. But within 48 hours, like 48 hours later, you have your conversion story, the story that can literally change the trajectory of your offers and your business forever. So that's the goal of the conversion story formula. So that's, yeah, that's who it's for. Anyone with an offer. Mm, I love this so much. MelissaAmbrosini.com forward slash story. I was also thinking this is great for even, I have a 17-year-old stepson and like he's doing his final year of school and he has to do presentations. I'm like, it's great for him. It's great for anyone who wants to pitch their presentation to their boss. It's literally great for anyone who just wants to become a better storyteller. So I love it. I am so excited for it. I am going to be diving in and doing it because for me, I have so many stories. So I'm interested to see which ones really stand out and which ones I'm going to run with, you know, for the next couple of years or so. I think it's just such invaluable information to have that is going to take our business to the next level. So I love it. And it also is really good for me to think of the next program or the next product or the next offering that I have, to have this in the back of my mind. Like, what is the story that umbrellas over this offering? Because that story is what's going to get people to lean in. Every offer needs a, usually needs a new story. And so the power of this is that you can take this framework. There's actually like a seven-step framework that we go through. And, and you, whatever offer you have, you can actually craft a different story for that offer because the story is the fuel. It's the butane that makes the whole offer come to life. And so it's the thing that connects and resonates with the audience and then like moves them forward. So it's actually, I mean, I don't know the time of the release of this, this podcast, but I only put this out probably like three months ago, three or four months ago, and we've had almost three and a half thousand people come through it already. And the feedback is just un like there are literally like thousands of comments in the product already. Just like literally people saying, I've joined $20,000 masterminds and I learned more from this taco priced product than I did in a $20,000 mastermind. Like literally, I'm so proud of it. Like it's literally going to change your life if you decide to do it. And so I just want to serve as many people as I can in, in this first step in this journey. Awesome. I'm so excited for it. I want to shine the spotlight more on you, Colin, right now. Your work is amazing, but I want to get to know you a little bit more. So I'd love to hear if you had a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every high school around the world, what book would you choose? Oh, wow. I mean, I feel like Rich Dad, Poor Dad was the book that started everything for me. I was in Byron Bay and I was 23 years old. I just got married and yeah, Rich Dad Poor Dad was the book that started everything for me. So I feel like that book is so great story-based and transformational in understanding what assets are and liabilities. That would be the book probably because they don't teach much stuff on money or basically nothing when I was there. So that would be the book I would say. Yes, it's so good. I'll link to it in the show notes. If you have not read it, go and read it. It is a game changer. Talk to me about your day and your morning routine. I love hearing about what people do. Do you meditate? Do you work out? 
Talk us through a quote unquote typical day in your life. So usually get up and, which is a good thing, to start the day around 6.30ish. And then I've just started personal training, which has been, by the way, I need some accountability with that because that is, that is not something that I'll normally do. I usually, I love walking. So I'll either do personal training or walking in the mornings. And then I'll do oats, porridge, and coffee. A pour over. I'm all about pour overs at home. Wait, wait, wait. What's a pour over? I don't even know what that is. Right. So a pour over is, I mean, it's just a style of making coffee. So it's usually, obviously, like a fresh ground beans, and then it sits in like a cone, and then you pour the water over it, and then it slowly infuses through and drips down. So it creates very clean, non-acidic style of coffee, very smooth. So and black with no milk, all that sort of stuff. And then, you know, typically, uh, I'm either coaching in our elite coaching group. Uh, we we run an elite an elite kind of coaching group. I'm coaching there every other day or so, and then I am doing podcasts, creating videos. I do a lot of videos with my wife, going out and shooting random videos. And then I drop the kids off every single morning, drop the kids off pretty much at like nine, nine o'clock at school. And then I'll either pick them up after, you know, after school or usually just come down around 4.30 or so, have a swim in the pool and then head into the night. Beautiful. I love it. I love it. I have three rapid fire questions for you now. Are you ready? Yes, let's do it. What is one thing that we can do today for our health? For our health. Ooh, I think for me, ooh, one thing. Gosh, there's so many. Oh, I would say for me, I've found drinking a lot more water and adding a, I don't know what they're called, you know, those like tablets that they're not, it's not like Powerade, but it's, it's some sort of, well, I don't know what they're called. Hydrogen. You know they're called? Like a hydrogen. Yeah. Like a, like one of those tablets that you put in the water that, I actually do. I don't know what they're called, but putting like one of those tablets. In, in fact, I got a massage the other day and the person said to me, she was like, do you drink a lot of water? And I'd never had someone say this to me. She was like, yeah, your body like responds like differently when I push on it compared to people who don't drink water. And she was like, do you actually do like hydration packets as well? And I was like, yeah, I do. And she was like, I can tell with your body. Wow. So I was like, like, wow, tick for me. <laughs> so that was fascinating. I didn't realize how much water you actually have to drink. And so I've got like a large kind of Stanley mug here. And so I'll kind of drink one of those. I don't know what it is, how many ounces, 30 ounces. I'll probably have like four of those a day before 3 p.m. But you, you, don't, want to, you don't want to have it after 3 p.m. because you, you start peeing through the night too much. So Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I've got a limit. Nothing after 3 p.m. Otherwise, I'm up doing a pee in the night. And no, I'd rather sleep through the night. Thank you. Yes. Yes. So that's my one tip. Super simple. That's a, that's a big one. All right. Next one. What is one thing that we can do for more wealth in our life? So more abundance, whatever that means for you. Hmm. I think for me, one of the in generating wealth Oh, it's, it's kind of probably two things. The first thing is is setting up an actual automated system. I know it's really practical. Setting up an automated system that draws out cash every single month and puts it into like a high interest savings. We use health uh, wealthfront.com. That's like American based. I don't know if it's in Australia or not, but, but, but like an automated system that just takes cash out and just puts it into like an account. That's the first thing. The second thing for me has been increasing my giving. 
And so we we give away more than around well, around ten percent of our income to different charities and things like that. And it's been fascinating when I started getting really focused on giving away money. It's like it's like magically it just started to grow. And so I know there's like a principle around tithing and things like that in the Bible, but something magical just like literally started to happen when I we started basically like declaring to our money that that I don't need all my money. I actually don't need it all. And I can literally go back to when I started giving consciously and more assertively and we just started generating more money. And so that even though it's counterproductive, like when I was in the mindset of like trying to like save everything, my income would always go down. But when I started declaring that I don't need all my money and started pushing it out, it was like the flow started and it kind of opened up something in me. So I have two of the, both of those things going on and um, they're all automated. They're both automated and that has made a huge difference. So it's like flowing in and flowing out has made a big difference. Beautiful tip. And a lot of those books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad and The Science of Getting Rich and Dr. John Martini's books on money and Tony Robbins' books on money, they all talk about tithing. It's so important. So I love that you said that. And Let's move on to the last one, my friend. What is one thing that we can do for more love in our life? Mm, I think it's consciously, I think, like spending time. I've heard a lot of personal development people talk about quality over quantity. And they're like, you just have to have quality. You don't need as much quantity. And I feel like that's not accurate. I feel like quality comes through quantity with people. And so for the the people that are important to you, there really has to be, especially with your kids and family and things like that, like there needs to be a certain level of quantity that we just commit to and scheduling that in our calendar. And for me, like being more conscious, like I went on a, you know, like a date with my daughter this morning, we went out for coffee and she, she had a hot chocolate, obviously, but like just consciously doing that has been, has been really powerful for me. It's super easy to say, oh, I don't have time. And this is what Nick and I talk about in Time Magic. It's so easy to say, I don't have time to go on the weekly date or I don't have time and to use that as an excuse. But time just doesn't magically appear in two months' time or next year. You have to allocate time to those things that are important to you. If it's not important to you, you won't do it. And so you're kind of saying it's not important to me. Because we will find time for anything that is important to us. We will find the time. We will create it. So I think if we want our relationships to grow, to thrive, to flourish, we have to make them a priority and we have to schedule in time for them. This is something that my husband and I have been so committed to. And since having our daughter, she's over two now. And before she came along, we would have dates every week and it was so beautiful. And then you have kids and it's often the thing that gets pushed off the list, but it's the most important. Like if you guys are thriving, then the whole family unit is thriving. So I love that. It's so important and you've inspired me. I'm going to book in a date with my husband. Is there anything else that you want to share or any last parting words of wisdom? Oh, I just think that so often people downplay 
the message that they have for their life. In other words, they like they don't value the true message that they have for their life. And I just want to encourage you that that you listen to this podcast today, not by an accident. That you heard this message, not not by an accident. Like you were supposed to hear this message today. And so I would just encourage you to really like own your story and to start offering the world what you can give it. And when you do that, you're going to help more people. You're going to make a lot more money, but you're also going to live a lot more fulfilled life. And so I just encourage you to, to really step into that and know that you've got this. MelissaAmbrosini.com forward slash story to get the conversion story. I'm going to be doing it as well. Colin, I want to personally thank you for all of your wisdom that you've shared today, for all the incredible work that you're doing in the world. It's been such a joy to get to know you on a deeper level. You are helping and you are serving so many people. So how can I and the listeners give back and serve you today? Oh, serve me? Well, uh, connect with me on Instagram. It's just at Colin Boyd. Uh, at Colin Boyd is uh, where I hang out on Instagram. And if you want to hear more of my content, I have a podcast as well. If you're a podcast listener, you can check out the Expert Edge podcast. And that's where I release weekly content for, for my, my community. So yeah, I'd love to connect with you there as well. And I'm going to be coming on his show, which I'm so excited about. So I can't wait to come on that and have the mic flipped around and you interview me, which will be really fun. But thank you so much, Colin. This is awesome. You are such an inspiration. I am so excited to craft my conversion story and to, you know, really share that from that place of love and service. So thank you so much. For everyone listening, go to melissarambrosini.com forward slash story. Thank you, Colin. You are wonderful. I hope you got so much out of this episode and I want to encourage you to go to melissarambrosini.com forward slash story and work out what your conversion story is and then come and tell me on Instagram. I would absolutely love to hear it. Or if you bump into me in the street, tell me your conversion story. I want to hear it. Please, please, please do it. And if you loved this conversation, if you got a lot out of it, please subscribe to the show and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. And also means that all of my episodes will just pop up in your feed so that you never have to go searching for a new episode. Now, come and tell me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini what you got from this episode. And if you were going to be joining us inside the program, I would love to see you inside the program. And that's at melissaambrosini.com forward slash story. Now, before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here for wanting to be the best, the healthiest, and the happiest version of yourself and for showing up today for you and your business. You rock. And on behalf of your business, thank you. Now, if there is someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, my darling, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. <laughs>